the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome Good morning. to Mid-South Gardening. Good morning, Kenneth. Good morning, my dear. And Jim, how are y'all doing? Sure, Mr. Buddy Kenneth, last week. Man, I was up in uh, Kansas City enjoying the beautiful green fescue up there. Mm, nice. Were you just, telling everybody, oh, we can't grow that yeah, in Memphis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just so weird seeing fescue just growing everywhere and cut. I mean, it's just beautiful, Sun, I'm telling you. Sunshade. Yeah. yeah. 12 months out of the year green. But, you know, when they drive to Memphis, they're thinking, God, I love that Bermuda and zoysia grass they have. Yeah. You know, we Not always the, love what we don't have. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Yeah, we, I had somebody in last week. Uh, wanting to continue to try to grow their fescue grass and I said well it's almost it's really too late but close but maybe not but then I well, there's said, a good definite answer that's what yeah. I said so I'm just make, telling you like that so you can make up your own mind well but I'm, I told them you know the the weather's cooling just a little that you know four or five days or so of, of the kind of niceness might give you enough germination or enough root hold to make it through the summer but yeah, you know it's, it's just weird i mean because down here of course you know we typically have bermuda and zoysia and we mm-hmm. save the fescue for the real deep shade right yeah. and that's the only place that really grows mm-hmm. well here in the mid-south is under these big trees where bermuda and zoysia won't grow because of the shade when jim invaded driving around out there i mean every commercial building every home i mean it's, it's all fescue oh, really uh and it's just kind of weird seeing that much fescue um but you know, down here, I mean, you know, there's a lot of fescue still being grown. Uh, but Every year. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, slow learners. <laughs> because we tend to lose a lot of the fescue in the summertime when it gets hot. But if you do have fescue, uh, you know, when it gets hot this summer, you, you will definitely want to keep it watered. Uh, and I still like the idea of spraying fescue twice a month, every two weeks, with the liquid seaweed mm-hmm. uh, during the summer months. And I promise you... I've talked to people, and it really makes a difference in keeping that fescue viable mm-hmm. uh, when it suffers the most, which is in the summertime. Right, right. When things are under stress. Yeah. And, and uh, the, I always think of the organic products as the fescue going, oh, thank you, in the summertime. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice A little science here. Oh, yeah. here. Here we go with the science master. <laughs> But, you know, there is science, but the mind can control that sometimes. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I mean, it's it was really beautiful. And even this morning, driving in, I walked outside with a, a T-shirt on. I'm thinking, whoa, mm-hmm. let me go get a long sleeve on. I mean, this is Memorial Day weekend, and it feels wonderful outside. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, 55 degrees when I got up. Oh, oh man. Just, and I was just wondering about the uh, people in the boats and the lakes uh, this weekend. Uh-huh. You, better t- you better take a little light jacket with you. Oh, yeah. I can imagine this morning. I wonder if, um, since the weather's so wonderful, if people's going to just say, you know, the weather's great. Let's not go do Memorial Day things. Let's go work. to Garden Center That's and spend right. money. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is that what y'all are going to do today? Oh, man. <laughs> I so have new stuff in, some really cool looking new Oh, stuff. but you and I both. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, our, this yeah. is like, you know, the first day of spring. We got mm-hmm. so loaded up mm-hmm. with color and perennials. And, Veda, you're doing the same mm-hmm. thing, you know. So the Garden Center's. Spring's uh, just keeping on, keeping on. Yeah, it is. We're making it see, in our mind, Sci- mind above science. <laughs> no weather above science. Yeah. Here. <laughs> oh, this is true. But I tell you what, one thing, you know, um, being in the garden center this week, um, after this last winter that we had, and we've talked about, you know, some of the damage out there and all mm-hmm. that. 
Um, but I'm still seeing uh, a tremendous amount of fungal activity and uh, insects. Okay, Very mild winter except for that one week of You're right. bitter Antarctic cold. You're right. But I was thinking that bitter week of Antarctic cold would really knock these insect populations out. I mean, for example, I'm already seeing a lot of lace bug on azaleas. Mm-hmm. And usually we see lace bug on azaleas, you know, in the summertime when it's really hot, hot, and dry, dry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm seeing it already, Vader. People are coming in every day with samples of lace bug on azaleas already. And for people that don't know it, if you walk out there on your azaleas and you see the green chlorophyll being sucked out of the leaves and you flip it over and look at the underside of the leaf, and you see all these little black specks mm-hmm. down there and these little winged insects uh, running around, that's a lace bug, okay? Uh, and if you do see that, you know, we, of course we say spray with a good systemic to kill them. Um, but like I told this gentleman yesterday, I said, yeah, you can kill the lace bug, but there's still something else going on. Why do you have lace bug to start with? Right. And that's what I'm trying sun. to figure out. They're in yeah. the sun. Not always, Jim. I mean, I understand if you... Check pull, and see uh, if there is a couple of hours of mm-hmm. direct sun. Okay. Or just a regular zealous. That's what you were talking about. Not encores. No, even just, with encores, mm-hmm. some of those are more susceptible to lace bug. Mm-hmm. But, but we're mm-hmm. not as bad. But almost always, the ones you see that have lace bug have some amount of direct sun mm-hmm. on them. You know, I have uh, across the front of my house conversation piece, which I love that azalea. By the I way, I do too. One of just probably my well second favorite. Wakabisi is my favorite, uh, but. I have some that get no sun, never have any lace bug. Mm-hmm. I get some that get about an hour and a half, two hours, and only right now mm-hmm. in the middle of summer because the rest of the time trees block it. Mm-hmm. And they always show a little bit of signs of lace bug. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> it's so um, like plants, landscaping, and all that is so bizarre in terms of like, because see, mine would be the opposite on the lace bug issue that I saw at this uh, client's house. The front of her house, she had azaleas, and they were, you know, dappled sun. They weren't full sun. And then you kind of go around the corner, and it was in a uh, dark shade place. And her um, azaleas had lace bug really bad. But for I was thinking it was because everything was crammed together real close. Mm. And then it was on the side with no air circulation, and it was darker, so the plant was not getting weaker. enough air and weaker. So that plant always got lace bug. And finally I was like, can we just take it out? Yeah, I mean, Because the other azaleas are fine. And Let's I think it is a combination of all of those. I mean, I'm like, Jim, you know, you, tip, you definitely if you have azaleas in too much sun, you're just you're going to get mm-hmm. lace bug. That's all it is to it. But I told this gentleman, uh, you know, also feed these azaleas. A lot of people go through life and never, ever, ever feed their azaleas. And, you know, a lot of us can get away with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, most blooming shrubs don't mind a little fertilizer yeah. from time to time. And we always say, you know, feed the azaleas once a month or three months after they bloom. Uh, and I asked the gentleman, hey, has he been feeding his azaleas? And he said, well, no, I never have. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, not only do you spray to kill this lace bug, you want to feed these azaleas, and the reason we say that because you want to make these things as strong and healthy as you possibly can because we all know that stronger, healthier shrubs typically don't get the insects as bad as ones that are weak or anemic. So keep that in mind, guys. I can't believe I'm already seeing that much lace bug. Yeah. Well, this is the same yard, Jim, that um, every time this client would want something, we would say, well, it doesn't grow there. 
<laughs> now, well, that I means said, I will I d- grow it there. And she did. <laughs> she did. And she would co- I'd come back like we were only every two weeks, and she'd come back and goes, thought you said it wouldn't grow there. Yeah. <laughs> we had this big fun game. So it's never 100%, it seems like, because I, I just told her, no, 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 it flowers. It was flowers, the um, heliotrope. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. And um, it just grew and grew and made it through everything it shouldn't make it through. And so then you're like, well, that's why I go. <laughs> but is <laughs> that, that answer your perception? Or that the it wouldn't grow. Yeah. It was it had nothing the, to do with the plan. Uh, it was mind over thought. science. See? <laughs> mind over science. Yeah, and in this case, <laughs> your mind was wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it didn't because I never could make them grow anywhere else. And well, then we had them in the garden center all the time. But that doesn't mean sometimes things don't do so good in the garden center. And you kind of get like, eh, I don't like that. And then you find out when it actually gets out of the container and gets planted. Yeah, it's how amazing. beautiful it really can be. And, that, and that's one of the problems with so many shrubs, you know, particularly viburnums yeah which i love you can hardly Mm -hmm. give them away except when they're in bloom right Mm -hmm. but when they're in a container they don't hold a lot of foliage Mm -hmm. they're not just particularly attractive and Mm -hmm. so they're very difficult to sell until you have flowers on were you in the nursery yet this week because yes that's exactly what's happening (laughs) (laughs) i'm in a nursery practically every week (laughs) of your life (laughs) yeah i can't it's i don't know it's in my blood but that's exactly right i'm having that issue with the viburnum right now just everybody's like "Mm, no but if you see once you put it in the ground it it looks so much different it fills Mm -hmm. out got a lot of foliage it's pretty you Uh know so particularly some of the evergreen ones 12 months out of the year Mm -hmm. they're not and like the eastern snowball, mm-hmm. mine almost always has a flower on it. Now, it has yeah. that mass in the spring, yeah. uh-huh. but it'll throw periodic flowers all throughout the summer. Well, but think about how many shrubs are just indescript and, until they do start mm-hmm. to bloom. I mean, you'll ignore You'll walk past them and never give yeah. them a second look. Uh, See, and that's the way I feel about natives. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they just don't overwhelm me I agree. for a very short period mm-hmm. of time. And some of those don't even overwhelm me. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Natives is a hard one to get to get to know, to get to like, to get yeah. to understand how to plant. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different look in your yard, really. Yeah. And yeah. so many of those natives are, uh, how do I put this politely, aggressive? <laughs> mm, aggressive, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They can that's be true very too. Jim, you'd be mighty nice this morning. I'm telling you. I know. Well, that's that's always a hard one when for me when people come in and want to plant natives, <clears throat> and. I feel like I need to go into a really long dissertation on to make sure that's what they're wanting to plant Mm -hmm. because it all sounds good in your mind, but it's uh, hard, especially like on a new yard, a new lot Mm. to come up with. But some of the natives that are really easy Uh, to mention. You know, like like bamboo, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have the bamboo section over here. If you just plant this, it'll go native, all right? Yes, it will. Uh, What else is natives? I can't even think. Bottle brush? Buckeyes. Buckeyes. Buckeyes, Beautiful in spring. But, you know, there again, for most home gardens, it really doesn't lend itself because it can get so huge. Uh, We're going to run to a break, and then we're going to talk about some more natives. Buckeye. We'll be right back. Good morning, good morning, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You're listening to FM 109.7 and AM 990. You can stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. Call us. 260-5926, Miss Veda, 260-5926. If you want to give us a shout this morning, then of course you can always go to Facebook Live 
and see Miss Veda there, mm-hmm. picture perfect. See and, me looking at y'all. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. send us a text that way also. But I believe we got David on one. We do, and then we'll go to David, and then we'll talk about some more natives. Good morning, David. Good morning. Good morning. Good hey, to Dave. Good morning you. to you. How's everybody? Man, life is wonderful. Have you been outside the door? Have you stepped outside yet, Mr. David? No, but guess what, Ken? I got a real more for $56. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. You're the only person, I keep saying this, and I've said it for years, David, that I don't understand why anybody in the world would push a mower that doesn't have a motor attached to it and pulls itself around, right? Because it's so wonderful and relaxing and feels great for the environment, and he gets his exercise. Yes, he does. (laughs) And and, and me and David talked about this. As long as those blades are really sharp, uh, I love the way uh, a lawn looks after it's been cut with a -A R-E-E-L, a real mower, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yep. R-E-E-L. Yep. Some people might be going a real more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, call them, they call them push mores as well, I think. Yeah, Dave, and, and I, yeah. I, I'm beyond that. I've got one that's got, you know, the two wheels that pull up front. You know, it pulls itself, right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a lawnmower that has a four-wheel drive. <laughs> that's the one that I would get. <laughs> four-wheel drive. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you know, I got this picture of one of those trucks that are, mm-hmm. all, you know, those monster trucks that they have. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing with a stick shift on it. <laughs> as long as that thing pulls itself and it goes uphill and it's not easy. I mean, it's easy to push. I'm all for it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing that today. I I'm, I, I, I used it to test it. It was a refurb and mm-hmm. I, I got it off of eBay from a refurbisher. Yeah. And um, you could tell it, 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 it was used a little bit. But it cut very, very well. It makes a lot of noise, which I like, too. Yeah, just get that sound. It's um, nostalgic yeah. sound going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, David, I don't know what to say about it. I'm proud of you, but I still don't know what to say. think about it. <laughs> well, thank you. Let me. I got a couple of questions. Yes, sir. Okay, well, a, a comment. It looks like I'm, I'm having some success with the ultra, ultrasonic and castor oil, castor oil with the mold. Yes, sir. So, um, especially for the curvature seal. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, now, um, my, my question is this, as far as spraying for weeds, is it too late now with the with the heat to spray um, for weeds? That's a yes and no. Uh, and what I mean by that, and Jim and Betty, y'all back me up. Uh, most of your broadleaf weed killers, uh, like the Weed Beater Ultra and the Weed Free Zone uh, in the Weed Be Gones of the world, anything that's got the 2,4-D in it, most of them, David, you don't want to use when the temperatures are above 89 degrees. But obviously he hasn't gone outside this morning. <laughs> no, no, this weekend you're fine. Um, but overall, I mean, when it's above 89 degrees, you want to be uh, very selective when spraying with most of these just typical 2,4-D-based broadleaf herbicides. Now, there are other weed killers, of course, uh, for example, like Image, you know, that you can use all through the summer. Uh, but even when it gets hot and you're using ones that you can use, like Image, in the summer, I still tell people two or three things. One is try to spray in the morning or the afternoon, just never during the heat of the day. And secondly, make sure everything is well hydrated before you spray. You don't want to spray any lawn when it's hot, uh, you know, if the lawn is hydrated, I mean, uh, or dehydrated, I should say. So... Make sure everything's hydrated. Try to spray early or late. And then on a lot of these herbicides, read that label. You can't use them when it's above 89 to 90 degrees. Okay, good good deal. I told my, my neighbor properly, and I think I heard you guys say that I wanted to 
to double check, right. and I refused to do it because last year she had somebody to do it, and it, and our a uh, uh, yard looked like somebody taking a blowtorch. <laughs> yes, so Jim. I don't want to do that. Hmm? Yeah. One other question. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big chemical guy, Veda and, mm-hmm. and, and Gang. So, um, but I'm thinking. Maybe my best bet is to just every year start with a pre-emergent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, that's preventative maintenance that keeps you from having to do more spraying, using water more or whatever. So even though there is an organic pre-emergent, but then the regular pre-emergents that are synthetic or fine, too, you know, that doesn't ruin your organic program. And it definitely keeps the the labor and using the weed killers at bay a little more. So go for that, definitely. Okay, great, great deal. I want you guys to have a great weekend, a safe Memorial Day, and um, I was taught not to say happy Memorial mm-hmm. Day, but yeah. just to recognize the, the people who have fought for this country and defended us. So. Well said. Exactly Amen. right. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Good talking okay. to you, buddy. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. Uh, you know what, though, just real quick, I know we're supposed to go to natives, but I just looked at the weather. It's supposed to rain Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, that never happens. That wasn't, this oh, and Monday. But it didn't say that like 12 hours ago. No, they, <laughs> and it'll change 12 hours from now. Jim on herbicides. Mm-hmm. Like I said, um, you know, people do need to be careful uh, spraying herbicides in the summertime. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got two dozen weeds it's okay to go out there with a little squirt bottle right. and zap each one you're not putting out enough chemical that could vaporize and do any damage to anything it's where and when you s- say vaporize and do damage what do you mean by well that? whenever we get temperatures above 90 really right. 2,4-D can vaporize it turns into a gaseous form which follows the wind and the wind although you can't see it does really unusual things you know it goes over fences through fences mm. and it, it's you know, it will not hurt anything in your yard and burn the roses three houses down. Wow. So, you know, just because it's following the wind. So you want to be very careful with things like spraying your entire yard with mm-hmm. a broadleaf weed killer or even using a weed and feed product. Mm-hmm. Um, that's granulated. That's a granulated mm-hmm. um, because those those products can vaporize. Now, there are some low volatile formulas of these, but most of the ones that you see in the, like the Weed Be Gone's right. and that sort of thing are not low volatile. Right. Uh, but, they, you know, again, just okay to go out there and spot spray and kill one or two. That's fine. And okay, so... Um, now, okay, so y'all are saying, or well, I understand, the weed killer, the 2,4-D, you don't want to use be- above 89 or 90. And then we're going, oh, you can't do any weed killer now. But there's also ones that you flip over and use in the summer for the broadleaf right. weeds. So mm-hmm. there, y'all, we're just saying that you can use these on the broadleaf weeds right now, but then when it gets warmer, you're going to switch. Yeah. And so many of our broadleaf weeds are spring annuals. Uh, they're mature now. They're difficult to kill because they're on their way out. Yeah. They've already done their seeding thing. So, yeah, you know, yeah. again, the pre-emerge and being on that program and doing it religiously f- three to four times a year yeah. and don't get off of it, you won't have any weeds um, coming up mm-hmm. from seed. You just won't. Yeah. And, th- and yeah. then, you know, we mentioned a product like Image, for mm-hmm. example. That's just one product uh, that kills a lot of broadleaf weeds. It kills grassy weeds like crabgrass, even kills nutgrass. Uh, and those products, you know, you can use, of course, when it gets hot, even in the summertime. But like I said, even then, you want to make sure you spray early, early, or late, late to make sure everything's hydrated. 
All right, we're going to take another break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about natives. (laughs) I'm working on that one. We'll be right back. Call us 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back. You can stream us online anytime at kwamradio.com. Um, look at us. Look at us. Yep. Facebook Live. You can send messages that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can definitely call us 260-5926. And I'm, I'm here. I'm Veda with Claudia, Kenneth with Dan West, and Jim Crowder with um, Recliner Special working on his, uh, the wonderful, our, our well, his Facebook go page. Go to, go to the, uh, the webpage. Yeah, and what's the Mid-South name of that? Gardening. Yeah. Mid-South Gardening. Gardening Garden. in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. And as of today, we have 5,991 members. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, let's see, what did I see on your, on the Facebook page that was interesting? Well, anyway, we were in the middle of talking natives. We were going to go back to natives and the Buckeye. What were you saying about the Buckeye? Well, it's just for most home gardens, it's too large. Yeah. You know, it overpowers because it gets wide Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, if you've got an acre or something, then it makes a nice addition. But, you know, I've got... (laughs) Less than a quarter acre, well, I, you know, of ground. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Once you take the house off, it's probably an eighth of an acre. Right. And it's just <laughs> no place to put one where it wouldn't overgrow everything else. Yeah. So, so. Um, if you were minimalist and did, like, few things, then you could have a Buckeye. Yeah, but it, when I think of natives, mm-hmm. I think of, let's say, the... Um, the nature trail down on the Wolf River, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. When they're going in there and they're building these uh, bicycle lanes and these walking lanes, uh, and they do some landscaping uh, mm-hmm. up and down these trails, of course, the one thing that they typically use are just native plants. Yeah. I mean, it would be foolish not to um, because they're native to this area. Once they're established, I mean, they kind of do their thing. Uh, Let's see what perennials. Joe Pye weed isn't that a, a native? See a mm-hmm. lot of those. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good perennial. Looks like some sun and shade. And, and you know, I just sprayed mine with Roundup. Yeah, because it again had gotten too large. Mm-hmm. I had years ago. I planted a peacock maple, Japanese maple, and I put on each side of it a phantom um, Joe Pye weed, and they've been beautiful, spectacular. I love them. Butterflies mm-hmm. love them. But now the maple has become more important to me, yeah. and they're growing into the maple. Yeah. So uh, they got zapped and pulled out. Just yeah. Because uh, then they become invasive, or they just seed a lot. Well, no, they yeah. spread by oh. roots, and so it, the clump had become six mm-hmm. or eight feet wide. How long know? did that take? Um, ten years, okay. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I know we sell Joe Pye weed in the garden center, and that's a native that people like. Yeah, and you know, I have, looks- you know, beside them were, are some uh, peachy hydrangeas, and mm-hmm. I like the hydrangeas yeah. more than I like the Joe Pye weed. Mm-hmm. Right, Although right. I like the Joe Pye mm-hmm. weed. Yeah. So, uh, but out of those three, the Joe Pye weed had to go. It had to go. Yeah, yeah. you just have to choose what look you're going for, right. too. Yeah, because you were all of a sudden having conflict looks. But at first it looks good, but then when things grow, you have to eliminate some things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and one of the advantage of, you know, growing natives is they, they're, again, once they are established, they're extremely tough and hardy, mm-hmm. and they typically propagate themselves, I mean, because they're native to this state. Yeah. Uh, but well, I'm waiting for Mr. Paul to give us a call because <laughs> remember he the, went through time wanting to grow natives because everybody wanted natives, 
but they go dormant sometimes in the summer, you know. So how how do you sell them? That was the hard thing. We couldn't keep them on the shelf to sell them. So I think going native is good, but you need to just know it's a pick and choose and your entire landscape really couldn't be unless you just don't mow your yard. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's not only perennials. I mean, mm-hmm. there's also trees and shrubs, of course, that are native here to I Tennessee. I'm trying to think, okay, would you do a witch hazel? How about a Ch- Chinese fringe tree? Not, not native. Chinese, American. American, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chinese couldn't be native. So American fringe tree, that's a really awesome one. And is there, um, I'm just trying to think a few more things. Oh, well. You we have tell a I great don't. list of natives That's what on I was going to say. Uh, Facebook group. Uh, so I don't have if, to if cheat to, on if, that one. If you're a member of our group, you need to go to the file section where there is just uh, bukus of information there on natives, on plants to grow in wet areas, um, mm-hmm. on fruits. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a lot more to add, but I just have got to sit yeah. down and update some of them. But, uh, you yeah. know, I was looking this week. I've got one on gardenias that I'm, I need to add. I've got mm-hmm. one on azaleas I need to add. But they've been in the last seven or eight years, there have been so many new varieties. Mm-hmm. I need, I want to get those listed and do a little research, see how well they performed. And, you know, because every year there are new plants. Every year, yeah. you know. The industry has really changed over the last, I'm going to say, 20 years or so. You have so much advertising behind mm-hmm. plants now. You know, yeah. like if you look at the Southern Living series yeah. of plants, there are a lot of new ones. There are a lot of plants that have been around forever now that are Southern Living plants. <laughs> yes. And when you put a little advertising behind them, people, you create the demand, uh, which, you know, is great for the nursery industry. It, mm-hmm. you know, uh, raises the price from, you know, what used to be $12 down to 20 mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, so, indeed. You know, yeah. but you know, to put it in that fancy pot that says Southern Living. Yeah. Um, but with that advertising, it's really generated some interest in some other things. So yeah, because oh, with Julia, when with Julia oh, yeah. came out, and I'm going, wow, new shrub, with Julia, with Julia. Then you check it out and go, oh, that's not new. No. Yeah, and, and <laughs> in fact, I wrote that down uh, in my notes this morning. Uh, in, at some point, you know, we'll talk about the different, so many different types of hydrangeas. Oh, but yeah. what I mean is, and we've talked about this all before, guys, uh, almost every plant out there, uh, let, think about Helleborus, the old Lenten rose. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many wonderful varieties out there now. It's pathetic, okay, mm-hmm. which I love them all. Think about just the old Mahonia holly. Mm-hmm. You know, now is that, you know, they, there's that new soft caress mm-hmm. Mahonia holly. Yeah. Uh, who would have ever thought there would be a, a nice looking, you know, fine lace leafed Mahonia holly out there? Uh, Lakothawee, for example. Yeah, well, I've got some of that in Yeah, stuff you know, where there's so the is burning that a native? Lo- well, no, no, I'm not, but I'm just saying the, just the plants that, that they are, they've made so many new varieties of. Gardenias, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many gardenias out there now. Jubilation, you know, Frostproof, First Kiss, Hardy Kleins, on down the line. Now there's one, Buttons, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's buttons. just so like many varieties. And, of course, we all know about hostas. I mean, so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a gardener's dream, to be honest with you, but with all the plant material that's out there now. Now, does it mean that they're all better than their you know, a predecessor, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Depends uh, on how they perform in your area. Exactly, yeah. but 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 there's so but there's so much more for us to choose from. I guess yes. is what I'm getting at. 
And then I wrote down hydrangeas. I mean, every year. That's the big thing now is hydrangeas. Um, There's so many different new varieties of hydrangeas out there. And not only the macrophilias, the ones that grow in the shade, you know, the paniculatas that grow in the sun. And are they all similar? Yeah. But are they all different? They, they are. And they all look great, guys, I'm telling you. Because every time a new one comes in, I'm looking at it like, man, I think I got to have this, you know? And that is the buzz. That's what people want. They want that new shiny object mm-hmm. out there. Man, we get so much interest in that golden um, little ligustrum, you know, that's advertised oh, yeah. it on Southern Living. You know, anywhere in the South you can buy it except Tennessee. <laughs> it's illegal to sell it here in Tennessee. And I understand, too, they found some, and they've started finding some of the nurseries uh, yeah. for having it. So um, I've heard that, too. Yeah. Oh, and you were talking about earlier um, plants, paying a little extra for plants in this, that fancy little bucket. I do have to say one company, Monrovia, though, there is a distinct difference between their their soil they use and the, the yeah that's the, different that's the, not a promotion company you know mm, all of these yeah. pots that you see uh, simply beautiful yeah, those, those are. they're not nurseries okay garden jewels all they yeah. are is advertising companies yeah. you know mm-hmm. and they they put dollars behind it which drives the market um so it's it's done good things for the nursery industry don't get me wrong but it's also taken plants that we've had for a long time you know and just um uh, added cost to them, basically. Yeah. Well, they're introducing things yeah. to the the public too, but that Julia, I gotta say, I love it. It's beautiful because there's different kinds of wine and roses, Monet, I believe. So they have different foliages, different color blooms, bloom at a different time, evergreen. That's a that's a good one. So y'all look for Wajillia. Yeah, and that's yeah. The, that's another one of those uh, shrubs that are just you know indescript. You'd you'd walk right past it. It seems mm-hmm. like until it starts to bloom, and then when that thing is blooming, you're yeah. like, man, I've got to have some of that. I, I s- agree with you. I saw one in a catalog in the last few days. I'm trying to remember the name. Something like Apple Tower had yeah. beautiful white and pink flowers mm-hmm. on it, but it grows upright, you know. And most Wajillias will spread mm-hmm. way the heck out yeah. and get huge. Um, there are some dwarf ones, but they tend to be open and airy mm-hmm. and forsythia-like in growth. Yeah. Um, but this one is, it grows straight up. And I thought, you know, that'd be kind of neat to have that. Yeah, I put I'm going check you know? that one out. At least it's skinny, you know, <laughs> yeah. so maybe you'll have a space for it. I like, the, I think it is the Monet that stays smaller and yeah, it's, it's a pretty. variegated foliage. Yeah. Looks like paint's been splattered on it. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah, I love that one. Mm. So y'all check out... For Wigilia. And then, uh, and not to be confused with the term Wiglia. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people say that. You got any Wiglias in Wiglias. stock? We're like, well, let me show you these Wigilias over here. Yeah, because w- that's how it looks. Wigula. Wiglia. Tomato, tomato, Wigilia. right? Mm-hmm. So there's another one, Peony, Peony. Uh, but not Wigula, Wigula. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but, but a lot of these, you know, there again, a lot of these shrubs are, you know, when, they, when they're blooming, that's when they, of course, that's why we buy them. I mean, that's when they look their best. Yep. Unless you're buying, you know, a shrub for the foliage mm-hmm. uh, and foliage only. Um, but, you know, there, there are some that bloom it's in the spring. There's some that bloom in the summer. Uh, there's some that even bloom in the fall. And, Veda, that's what I've always loved about you, especially when you were landscaping, how you always like to try to get things that had full – I mean, you, you wanted things that bloomed in the spring. Mm-hmm. And then you wanted to plant things that bloomed in the summer. Right. And then, of course, things that bloomed in the fall where you don't have, you know, your best-looking lawn except for that one time in the early spring. So, Or then even planting for the uh, 
like um, with foliages for the different seasons or for oh, yeah. winter, picking out what structure of the plant looks good the without things the leaves. I have really, and somebody back, I don't know, several months ago said, why don't we do foliage Friday every Friday? Mm-hmm. And so we started doing that, you know. Yeah. We used to have it just once a month or so. and um, But now we focus, if people show different textures of the leaves. And it's quite interesting. I saw a begonia yesterday I would die for. It's oh, gorgeous. Very narrow, spotted leaf. Oh, man, it is oh, pretty. Oh, I think I, I know. Yeah, I wanted to send them a private message, see if I can get a cutting yeah, of that little sucker. Yeah, let me check. Sucker. We might have one. <laughs> hey, we got to run to a break. Bummer. But. We'll be right back, so give us a call, 260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Good morning, Miss Veda and Mr. Jim. Good morning, non-gardeners. Yeah. We're here. We're going to make gardeners out of it. Yes, good morning, learning to be gardeners. You're like learning us. every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every day. It's almost like there's so much to know. And uh, we've learned so many more things about things that we knew about that now it's like, I don't know if I can answer that question right. Let me see what the new research is because it changes all the time. Like a peony that um, changes colors when it blooms. They say it's uh, red on the outside and opens up in the pink side. And Mm -hmm. somebody's like, no, it's dye. And back a while back, I'd go, no, that's not right. I can't do that. But now it can. Oh, any time I hear the word, and Pete, hang on just a second. Every time I hear the word dyed plant, mm-hmm. it makes me think of dyed poinsettias for some reason. And I just want to go run my head into the wall. Yeah, you mean the blue ones? Yeah, the, the blue with the ones. glitter. You know, yeah. I mean, are you serious? Yeah, let's not just dye wrong. plants. It's yeah, just wrong. Just wrong. Let's not dye plants. Um, okay, we've got a caller. Let's go to Pete. Good morning. You're in the garden. Hey, Pete. Good morning to you, buddy. Morning. I've got a question for y'all. I've got a crepe myrtle Mm. that uh, has been in the ground for about a year, and it's doing great. Uh, The one issue with it is that uh, it's got three main trunks, and I suppose when I bought it, they were really, really close together. In fact, one is crossing and they're real crowded yeah and so my concern is uh, are these three going to grow into one trunk do i need to take them and try to spread them apart um i don't want to go to one trunk right uh, there's so many what options. do you suggest because <laughs> they they could grow together if they were tight enough but it's like the rule of thumb you cut out dead disease damage and things that are crossing and going to grow have issues in the yeah, future but with three trunks i'd hate to give up one you know, I know, because two, two would look kind of fun. Yeah, I would just try to spread them out, and you could do that with staking. Uh, I have taken pieces of bamboo and notched each end and put them between the two mm-hmm. stems mm-hmm. and just holds them apart, and eventually they'll learn to stay there. Um, and, you know, if you need to move more, then you do it a little bit, and then you put a longer stick in there mm-hmm. as it gets used to it until you can just open them up and make them go the way you want to. Yeah, you just describe like how a bonsai exactly. person does it. Yeah, so past why not? president, Memphis Bonsai Society. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's you just want to make it go where you want it instead of where it wants. Yeah, and I have, and if you don't do that, Pete, I mean, a lot of times, I really don't like them crossing, but if they are close, a lot of times they will just fuse together. Yeah. Uh, as they get older, you'll just have this, you know, main trunk at the bottom, and they'll split up into three pieces but 
I really just don't like the things that are yeah. crossing. I do the like that idea, though, of making the brace and putting it between mm-hmm. the limbs to spread them apart. Yeah, they still move in the wind that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not real fond of using cords to stake yeah. them because it prevents them. They're just stronger if they're allowed to move mm-hmm. freely in the wind. All right. So what do you think? Yeah. Which one are you going to do today? Go out and stand and look at it for a while and decide. Yeah. Probably go look at it for a few hours and think about it. Right. And then the day's over. I think I I was leaning toward, uh, you know, trying to kind of stake it and see if I could begin to spread them apart kind of gradually and see what happens. It's a pretty tree. I don't want to give up on it. And, uh, well, well that was a year, like I say, but the canopy and everything looks beautiful and it's ready to bloom. I just, was concerned about it, you know, uh, maybe growing together. Like that one is really crossing in there. So that's the one that I'm worried about more than any others with it kind of rubbing together. All righty. Well, thanks for the call. That was a good call. Have a great weekend, buddy. Yeah. And and, thank you. all too. Yes, sir. And and y'all see, I have kind of the reverse problem. Uh, Not this past winter, but winter before last, you know, in November when we had those two cold nights, my brand new that I'd planted crepe myrtles were killed to the oh, ground right, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, so i had to cut them down basically at ground level and of course since then they've come back out from the root uh and i haven't trimmed anything yet uh so i've got maybe six or eight trunks coming out of the ground they're probably mm-hmm. six maybe seven foot tall now and then i'm thinking okay do i want a lot of trunks coming out of the ground like it is now which looks great at the moment but i know they're going to continue to get bigger or do I want to go in there and selectively cut out some of these mm-hmm. and, you know, make it like Pete's doing, make it a, you know, a three trunk or a four trunk, which is what yeah. you typically see. So Yeah, because that would be too many limbs next to each other. Yeah, I mean, you never, ever have to cut a crate myrtle. You don't have to yeah. touch but the thing. But yours died. So well, and yeah, but ground, I mean, yeah. but even now with it, what's come back, mm-hmm. you know, I've got more than I need. I mean, I don't ever have to go out there and cut any of that out. Yeah. But for aesthetic reasons and what I'm used to seeing, and I think what I personally like, I think I'm going to have to go in there and thin these, uh, these down to the ground, some of mm-hmm. them. I just don't need them. Mm-hmm. And shape them like balls? No. <laughs> the ball form crepe myrtle. No. Because oh, be... I'm doing all my other hollies and boxwoods that way. He is a master of the shears. Yeah, well, thank you, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I've been cutting, cutting boxwoods. We had some really nice green mountains that kind of flushed out. So I took the shear, not the shears, but the pruner shears and just nicely shaped them. And not real tight and perfect, though, because I kind of look them, like them to look a little natural, but formed at the same time yeah way to go miss fader and i know we got bernice but i know we got to go to a break but let me say this real quick though also keep your eyes out for crepe myrtle bark scale we you know we see it every year mm-hmm. but we're seeing a lot of it this year for some reason so keep that in mind gotta love it y'all get your questions together give us a call 260-5926 The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You're here with Veda, Jim, and Kenneth. Good morning to you, Ms. Veda. If you want to give us a call this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926. And of course, go to Facebook Live. Uh, the Mighty 990, Miss Veda, and they'll see you right there. We and have one camera, and so there was a choice here. Who would you guys <laughs> like to look at? 
And Kenneth and I didn't make the cut. No, no. So, so there's Miss Veda. <laughs> you get to look at Veda. Right. So if y'all see me making faces, I'm actually making faces at uh, Claire in the our producer in the other room. There's a reflection. I'm like, what's she doing? What's She's she in saying? there dancing. Yeah. Have a good time. <laughs> I'm more interested in what you're doing. Okay, let's go to Bernice. Good morning, Bernice. You're in the garden. Good morning, Veda. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I called last week because I had this volunteer tree. And they, they had these fruits dropping. It was like little red raspberry. Oh, the mulberry tree. Yeah. Yeah. And you told me they were mulberry. Mm-hmm. So what I did was, you know, I asked, you know, if they were edible because I did try some. And so when they've been dropping, I've been picking, you know, just getting them from my deck. And some of them I noticed were, you know, d- dark purple. Mm-hmm. And I've eaten them in my salad. And the purple ones are really Sweet. They're great. Make great cobbler. Oh. I know. Yeah, I know. I lost I, me I for never a minute. Even, I, I was never daydreaming. Even, you know, knew that. I know. Isn't that amazing? That tree just grows right here, yeah. and we can make yeah. the best food out of it. I know. I'm pulling up seedlings all the time coming up in the garden. Yeah, and, and yeah. unfortunately, Bernice, the birds love them just as much as you do. Yeah. Well, and that's okay because actually, this tree. You know, I said last week it was like ten feet tall. Well, I think it's like twenty feet tall, <laughs> and it's wow. volunteer. That is so awesome. Yeah, but you can make, uh, you said. uh, Cobblers, jellies, jams. Gosh, yes. Oh, wow. You would need a lot of them, though, because they're so small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they produce a lot on a tree. You know, it's just. They they do. Birds are just so bad about eating them. And, you know, when they're purple, they're really sweet. Yeah. That's, that they really are, and that's why I wanted to call to thank Veda for you know telling me what this was. All right. Well, thank you. I but, appreciate well, that. Well, I'll tell you. Can I ask another question? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I have you know bought, and this is you know some new fruit, uh, vegetables that I brought: the acorn squash, spaghetti, mm-hmm. and the uh, butter butternut butter squash. Yeah. And so what I did was, you know, I saved the seeds. And I've gotten them, and they're growing. And there are, you know, I've got some, you know, fruit on some, and I see some uh, squash already coming. But I read that on zucchini, you know, a lot of times you can just eat them when they're real young and also the flower. Right. But I know that these vegetables are more uh, fall-type vegetables. What's the smallest they can be eaten? And is it good to eat those young, too? Yes. Yeah, the smaller the squash are, the better they're going to be. Now, the butternut needs to mature. Oh, okay. okay. And it typically it's, is a, a fall crop or early, early spring. And we, we, we actually early. call it a winter crop, a uh, winter The butternut squash? squash? Yeah. Um, but the summer squash, yellow and zucchinis and things like mm-hmm. that, you don't want them to get too big. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. Know, yeah. Six yeah. inches but, or so. And inch, inch and a half. Well, yeah, <laughs> most. Yeah. yeah. What about yeah, that? Spe- I, go ahead, Bernice. I'm sorry. Go Bernice. ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I actually hadn't even grown the zucchini, but when I grow zucchini and when I buy it, I save the seeds for those too. But all of the ones that I mentioned, I think, are the more fall. Yeah. And yeah, what about the spaghetti squash, Jim? I mean, can you, I mean, you still want to let that mature also yes, to no, get the. Yeah, will need right. to mature. But again, it gets kind of. Pithy when it gets too, yeah, too large. Big, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
And it's pretty much a trial and error, you know, when they get to a certain <clears> size, <throat> cut one and see how it does. And, you know, next time you need to go a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller. Yeah. I mean, just actually the some that I bought, I mean, I bought them like over a month ago and, you know, I'm just, you know, haven't eaten it yet and they're still good. Oh, yeah. We keep a long time. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Well, I thank you for all of these answers. And I hope y'all both all have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, Thank you too, you. Bernice. Thank you, dear. It's just, okay. That's great when you get a call over where people have had success yeah. and don't have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> we like to hear that. But let me say this. Mulberry trees, mm-hmm. uh, people that grow them just to have the mulberry tree out there. And I, I said the birds. Not the weeping one, though, right? Yeah, the weeping well, I've never seen. I, I don't like, you know, I've never seen it fruit. Most yeah. of them, I think, are fruitless. But the weeping one just looks, I describe it as a big green cousin it. Yes. You know, that's what it, it looks like. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. I've never seen it used. Anywhere in a landscape where it fits, uh-uh. yeah, you know whether you let it go to the ground. Some people yeah. cut them off like umbrellas. Yep. You yeah, yeah. Just they're again. It's mm-hmm. like a dyed poinsettia. Yeah. It's just not right. It's just not right. It doesn't <laughs> definitely doesn't look anything near as beautiful as say a weeping cherry. Oh, oh that's yeah, because those will work. Weeping cherries. Oh, y'all need to get some of those weeping cherries now. Hurry up and get them in the ground before summer. If you're wanting mm. to plant one, don't do it now. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Jamie, the master gardener. Good morning, Jamie. You're in the garden. Good morning. Mr. Jamie, don't good morning any, to you. Don't need anything. Just want to wish you all a safe and happy holiday. Well, thanks, Jamie. Yes, thank you, Jamie. And you guys be safe. And thank you again for being there. Thank right, you. Thanks care. for the call. What a great guy. Yeah, and his sweet to be a police too, officer. Yeah. And in the military, yeah. I believe. So, see, he just couldn't help. But do the police officer thing and tell us to be careful on Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, we'd be careful uh, working in the yard and doing a little painting. You know, I don't know what I could do to hurt myself, but I'm sure it could happen, right? <laughs> to hurt yourself. Oh, you know what I like? We've got uh, Robert. We'll get you after the break. Um, you know what I like is the daylily blooms. <clears throat> I like to eat the daylily blooms and fry them. I mean, I don't just stand out there and munch on them, but I like to fry them. Just like you fry anything else, you know, little cornmeal and little oil, just or olive oil if you must. They're so delicious. So I don't have growing any daylilies. <laughs> I have lots of daylilies. You? You're and welcome. I can just come get them and Absolutely. fry them. But you know, at work, ooh, I had all these beautiful no, days. And then they're gonna, all the blooms are going to be gone, and she's going to be and over I, there. It's harder to sell without color. I know. That's why I didn't pick them. <laughs> but I'm looking at these new daylilies. The leaves are bigger and fluffier, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that would look like. I've got pollen around her lips. I, you know, <laughs> I only plant rebloomers now, too. You know, it's yeah. just so many of them. Used to be there were just a few that would be long mm-hmm. blooming seasons but now there's so many and and gosh i've got one up right now i'll bet has got 150 buds on it what it's huge is that a stella uh no no this wow. is this is an orange and i to pull the tag to see mm-hmm. what i've forgotten the name well, well it, after that you better find the name you well, know yeah. we were talking about let me say this rebecca maddox texted in she said when i was a, a small girl i spent many hours sitting in the mulberry tree on the farm <laughs> oh. eating all the berries oh. always came out of the tree with purple hands and mouth <laughs> you know where and were rebecca, you hiding? i hear you <laughs> not hiding uh, well, yeah, like the rebloomers you were talking about. That's what I did. I just ordered rebloomers. Well, yeah. it, we were talking early on about how many changes have come through with, you know, plants. I mean, there's so many different varieties of, of trees, shrubs, and perennials. 
And daylilies is another one of those examples. That's you know, true. growing up, there was just the old orange ditch daylily that we'd see growing, you know, net wild out there. Now there's these huge blooms like you're talking about, Veda and Jim, and recurrent bloomers. Um, there's so many beautiful daylilies, daylilies now, yeah. mm-hmm. out there on the market now that it's, it's mind-boggling. And what I love about them is they give some of them such unique names, you know. Yeah, that's half the fun, isn't it? I know, it? you yeah. know, when there's one, it's one of my favorites called French lingerie, and I knew I had to have that in my garden. <laughs> well, you can put that with... <laughs> You can put that with the fishnet stockings, coleus. There you go. <laughs> oh, y'all are killing me. <laughs> and then plant some Johnny Jump Ups. And then, okay, let's quit naming those plants. Oh. Um, Daylily Blooms. Daylily Blooms, what were we talking about? Um, so, yeah, there's a whole lot of varieties in different colors, too. So, y'all, oh, yeah, you need to check out Daylilies because... We're used to them just blooming that one time, and then we're going, well, why would I pay that for that amount? But this time, the blooms are bigger, bloom more, the colors are more vivid, and like Jim says, they got great names. I mean, and that's just another one of those perennials that we kind of look over, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm telling you guys, they are great perennials. You can't kill the things. They come back great. They they multiply for you. And, I mean, I've seen some with blooms as big as saucers yeah, on them. Yeah. Not just that little quarter-sized or whatever-sized yeah, bloom the anymore. The ones that are triploid, or have, they just have such sturdy flowers. That's they don't the word. Bend. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, that's I love the it. I have French lingerie planted right beside my naked ladies. Oh, well, there, that that tops it all. That yeah. was even better than that. <laughs> and with the that, fish. I think maybe we better take a break. Yeah, and we will. Y'all call us. Two six zero five nine two six. If you dare get in this conversation. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back to the Mid South Gardening. We're awake and ready to go, and <laughs> show's almost over. <laughs> we still got a good 40 minutes, which is fantastic. And we're going to talk about some point here, a uh, possible new pest in the area, the boxwood tree moth. Got a... Uh, Robert, uh, hang on one second. Yeah, got a letter from uh, our uh, West Tennessee field inspector, Leslie Hollinsworth, about it. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about it here after we take another call or yeah. two. Yeah. So. But there's not such thing as a boxwood tree. That's what well, sounds so funny would, about it. Some boxwood get quite large. You and could it's make it a wood, tree. No matter, you actually you know. could make it a tree. There are no boxwoods. There are only boxwoods. No, it's boxwoods. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. <laughs> it's boxwoods. Watch. I like to watch him Kenneth get irritated. One time when I said boxwoods. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, it's like it's like gooses. There's yeah. no gooses out there. There's geese. I'm gonna gooses you. <laughs> All right, let's go to Robert. Good morning, good morning, Robert. You're in the garden. Good morning to hey. each of you. Hey, Robert. Good morning to you, buddy. I have an aphid problem. My tomatoes are just covered in them. Yeah. Uh, two days ago, no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They were clean. The yellow, those leaves started turning some yellow. <clears throat> and then yesterday afternoon, I mean, there were thousands and thousands of aphids all over yeah. the tomatoes. My question is, I, I went ahead and put some lima oil on them, mm-hmm. and uh, my question is, how long does that take to take effect? And two, uh, is there a, will these tomatoes 
return good or will they have to be replaced? Yeah. Well, the neem oil usually takes, because it's starving, it, it causes the aphids to not eat. And so it takes it a while for them to starve and fall off the plant. So there's one. Also, but it starts to work, though, immediately. Yeah. Since you, it should because yeah. it smothers them. Yeah. Know, in theory. In theory. Now, I can tell you I've seen them swim through it. Through neem oil? Yes. Mm. But it takes them a while to, to fall out. All right, so, Jim, so what are you saying then? Yeah, I'd switch to spinosa. Spinosa. Yeah, it'd be yeah. much. It's probably safer to, for your plants than neem oil, um, and it's totally safe for, for you. Um, spray it late evening, if you would, because it, you know, one, by morning, it's safe for your pollinators. But it's uh, it's a bacteria, very, very effective against aphids. And um, I think you'll see much better results than you would with neem oil. And what about like okay. a permethrin? <clears throat> a permethrin would be fine. Yeah. yeah it, the, either one of those would work. Your tomatoes will recover. They'll be fine. Uh, we just need to get them to stop sucking the sap out of it. Yeah, and what I would do, right. it, Robert, is, you know, regardless of what you're spraying with, whether it's the neem, the permethrin, or the spinosad, is give them a good spray in. And I would spray, honestly, two or three times, uh, it, you know, five to seven days apart. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the aphids, you, you have to break the reproductive cycle. Uh, they re- they reproduce so fast and so rapidly uh, that you can kill every adult aphid you have on your tomatoes today yeah. and go out there three days later and have a 1,000 more on there from the egg and larvae. So, Did you say your the leaves were turning <clears throat> ye- slightly yellow and then a couple of days later you saw aphids? That's correct. Yeah. So maybe boost some nutrients up on it. Give it some organic matter. Uh, give it some compost, mm-hmm. something else to strengthen the immune system of the plants. Because it, I mean, the leaves could be turning yellow because maybe it got a little too dry or maybe some of the nutrients are locked up, maybe too wet. But a lot of times organic matter can correct all of those, plus feed it, which gives it really good high resistant to repel insects or make it harder for that insect to work on the plant. But definitely Thank spray spinosin and fertilize. Yeah. Appreciate your help. All right. Thanks, Thanks Robert. Appreciate Thanks the call, buddy. Call. Have a great weekend. And Aphid. I'm with Robert. You know, I mean, aphids are... They're, and they're fascinating little creatures. You know, they don't they don't need little boys. They no. little females, and they sit there. They're like little Xerox machines. They sit there, and they just every few minutes spit out an identical replica of itself. True. And so your population can grow tremendously in, in 24 hours. Yeah. So now we can't say uh, populates like a rabbit. Now we can say populates, populates like, like an, an aphid, aphid. Like which an is aphid. even worse. <laughs> exactly. Even and, and worse. Jim, and, and so with neem, though, neem oil is a really good oil mm-hmm. that's derived from the neem tree. Right. Um, so in, in, in even the neem oil, I mean, when it gets really hot, you still want to mm-hmm. spray in the morning or yeah. the afternoon, just not during the heat of the day. But it's completely organic, mm-hmm. uh, very safe to use on ornamentals and vegetables. But you're saying you just didn't like the idea of using that particular product, neem, for aphids. Yeah, I have not seen good results using on neem aphids. on aphids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, um, uh, ideally, the oil smothers them. Okay, right. But because they're up underneath the leaves, they're all over right. the plant, it's difficult to smother them all. Right. And you'll have a very small percentage of those survive and every time you get a population that survives they get a little more resistant to Mm -hmm. these things so um it's it's a good idea to to switch insecticides periodically 
but I like to use something that works differently than neem. Just the, the smothering yeah. effect. And then, like you said, there's always the risk of with any oil, if the plant's dehydrated, yeah. you'll get some burn on yeah. the foliage. So that you want to be careful of. Um, and the other thing is neem doesn't, if you're spraying it, it doesn't stay in suspension well. Mm-hmm. It separates out very quickly. You keep it agitated. You need to hold the sprayer mm-hmm. in one hand and shake, shake with the other, <laughs> okay, all the time. Because it floats to the surface. So when you're first spraying and you're getting from the bottom of that tank, which is mostly water. I got you. And then as you get further down and that you get the, you get a lot of neem. And mm-hmm. so that's where you see some foliage burn. burn. Yeah. And I know we got Mike and we got to hang on just a second. But let me ask you this. Also, there's, you know, the newer product on the market. Uh, you mentioned spinosad. Spinosad, okay? yeah. Well, then there's also spinosad soap on the yes. market now. Spinosad right. plus Safer soap added to it. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that product? Well, I think uh, it's kind of like having neem and adding spinosad to it. Yeah. It's a plus. It's yeah. safe. The insecticidal soaps were kind of the same way. We'd have some insects that just would swim through them, as I say. Uh, but adding spinosad to mm-hmm. it, you get a, a broader range, mm-hmm. and it's much easier to kill them than it is with one product gotcha. alone. Well, that's always good to know because right at first when everybody was using the neem and getting frustrated because the insects weren't falling off immediately. And then so then you had to, you know, figure out what that was about because like a lot of times you just don't ever get all that information on the label. You know, and we talked about this before, but is when you look at the label on, on neem, it says... Uh, you know, it's a, an extract of it. And what they've done is they've taken the true insecticide mm-hmm. as a ractin out. And that's because it falls under different rules. Okay. Mm-hmm. So by taking that out, you become an organic, much easier to get marketed product than with the azaractin in it. And that's frustrating to me. Right. And name works as by smothering. It also Mm -hmm. has some repellent qualities for some insects. They just don't like the smell of it and will go somewhere else. Um, But once you've got the insect problem, you know, you want them dead. Okay. (laughs) And so using, I think, spinosad in this case is, is just a better option. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Well, let's see. Let's go to Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. morning. Hey, Mike. Good morning morning to you, buddy. Good morning. I've got a problem with my turkey pig trees after the zero weather we had this past year. The top half of the tree has died, and I've got some leaves and stuff coming out at the bottom of all my stems. And okay. I had covered them up, but it didn't seem to help much with the yeah. cold weather. Yeah. Well, let's, I trim those off? Let's do this. We're going to run to a break really quickly. And then when we get back, we'll go over uh, your tur- turkey pig. Brown, yep. tur- Brown, Brown turkey. Brown turkey pig. Yep. We'll be. Turkey pig. Yeah. yeah. We'll be okay. right back after this break. Oh, no. Wait. A little bit longer. <laughs> well, and, and I'm with Mike. Yes. Um, you know, Mike, um, you know, a lot of plants uh, suffered this winter. Uh, mm-hmm. Figs definitely being one off. And, I, and I'm like you, Mike. I've heard a lot of, had a lot of people tell me that they even covered their figs also. Mm-hmm. And they just did not make it through this winter. So, yeah, yeah we'll I'm tell you what that to do. Too. Yep. Okay. So, hang on. We'll get you after the break. You're listening to the Mighty 990.
Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You're here with Veda and Kenneth and Jim. And we were talking to Mike about... About his brown turkey fig. Yes. Got killed to the ground like almost all figs did. Yeah, once again, good morning to you, Mike. So, Jim what, or Veda, what do y'all think? Well, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, go ahead and cut out anything that doesn't have foliage on it now. Uh, it's going to take off. I'm surprised that it's not, you know, your new growth isn't several feet tall by now. Mm-hmm. Um but again, that would depend on your soil temperature and, and how severely the plant was damaged. But they produce on first year wood, so you could, in theory, still have a crop. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, go ahead and uh, go ahead and cut Clean all the dead out, and uh, and it should uh, it should recover nicely. Uh, I guess fertilizing wouldn't help them with some kind of obviously. Yeah, be all right. Yes, anything you want to put on it to help feed it is going to is going to help. Um, so, and they really don't care what you feed them with. They're, they're not picky. You know, just don't let them see the label and throw whatever you got on there. Okay. So. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for holding on through the yeah. break. Thanks, yeah, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And, uh, and, and, and figs, you know, it's one of those, and Mr. Paul, hang on a second, but figs are one of those, whether it's brown turkey, LSU goat, LSU purple, mm-hmm. Celeste, on down the road, depending on the winter. You know, they might make it through that winter. They might not. Now, typically they do, like everything else we see around here. But you get one of those crazy winters and one of those sudden cold spells, uh, you know, they can get knocked down to the ground. Yeah, we've just been lucky. We've had 20 years or so where it hasn't exactly. been terribly severe. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's always been confusing me. We talked about this last week. What was the one that you can cut all the way to the ground? It blooms on first and second year wood. Well, a brown turkey blooms on first year wood. Right. So you could cut it in theory to the ground every year and have Still a nice get a yield the next year. Just the brown turkey. But and then yes. the others. Celeste, yeah. LSU, Gold, LSU, they produce on second year wood. Okay. So you need to not do pruning other than just selective stuff. So if they die down this year, they they will not produce produce until next year. Next year. So y'all just know if you've got the brown turkey, then you're probably going to get figs. We hope. Mm, 50-50, you know. All right. uh, Yeah, we can go to Mr. Paul. Hey, Mr. Paul, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. How y'all doing? We are doing great, Mr. Paul. Happy Memorial Day weekend, buddy. And what about this weather? Is this not just a gift? Well, I had to put a sleeve on before I could come outside. Absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> I'm cold all the know, time. You know, this is the time of year. We always have the the Anthony's Herb Festival this oh, year, and, and we're not. That. that's another one of them things we're going to miss. And uh, I don't guess I'm sure they don't even have it anymore. I think they quit several years ago. But that was one of the – that was the, the – the Botanic Garden and Master Gardener Spring Fling was the first thing we mm-hmm. did in the spring, mm-hmm. and, and Anthony's was the last thing we did. Yeah, and oh. and, and, I, and I always had a blast doing it. And, and where was that, Mister Paul? If you don't mind, it was in Brighton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember y'all right. would all get in there and, and make your road trip and uh, the dirt buddies. <laughs> yeah, the we'll dirt buddies and, and have a good time. Yeah, well, that was always kind of that was always kind of a celebration because it was always this weekend, and it was kind of the end of spring and the start of summer. Well, have you was, did you all those times you were going there? Was the weather this nice? Well, I don't remember it being this mm-hmm. cool, but now it might have been because my memory is getting a little yeah. shorter 
all the time. That's like me. But, I can uh, say I never remembered a Memorial Day this school. That's because I hardly remember yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling well. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, what about in your life, Mr. Paul, and, and all the ground covers and sedums and so forth? Are they still moving along like, like they should be? Well, they're, 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 uh, yes. <laughs> That's uh, my answer I had this morning. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's still, it's still a lot to take care of, but, yeah. uh, yeah. I just kind of, you know, I, I have to start early and quit late yeah. and take breaks in between because, you know, I don't like to think that I can't do this stuff anymore. Oh, and then yeah. you get to some point when you have to admit that you can't do it, and you just go sit down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just mm-hmm. go sit down. Um, you know, you yeah. might have been out when we were talking about the uh, native plants, and I had mentioned that at one time you were wanting, you know, people were requesting natives from you, and you tried it, but it just wasn't a good retail thing. It was. We, we started that, uh, Veda, when you was at a nursery. Kindergarten. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She was, and uh, it it was a great idea, but it just you couldn't buy. I mean, you couldn't sell people in retail a little stick, yeah, right, yeah. in a pot in a pot of dirt, you know, for six dollars. Yeah, that'd been tough, especially then. <laughs> wow. Well, Mr. Paul, it's been so wonderful that you have given us a call. We look forward to hearing from you every weekend. Yeah, I'd love well, Mr. Paul. Always, Y'all do a great job, and we just appreciate y'all being there. Hey, happy Memorial Day, Mr. Paul. Thank you, and the same to y'all. Thank you, buddy. And, uh, and, and if you ever want to look, see Paul, which I love, in his tie-dye T-shirt, you mm-hmm. can go to what, southernselectsedum.com, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a web page. Yeah. And I think it used to list all of his ground covers mm-hmm. and his sedums. He had and a so birthday forth. this past week, too. Oh, really? There yeah. you go. He was 64. Happy birthday. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> <laughs> 64 plus 20. We, we need no. to talk about something here. We have a new possible pest in the uh, West Tennessee area. Okay, I'm leaving. Okay, it is called the boxwood tree moth. Uh, it feeds in almost entirely on boxwood. All right, stop right there. You know, okay. you, you know, there's always something new. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked about whether it's fire ants. You know, we never had fire ants before, never had armadillas yeah. before, mm-hmm. never had crepe myrtle bark scale before so now you're telling me there's a potential for another crazy bug to be coming into this and these things will decimate boxwood um they it's it's a southeast asia pest that has slowly spread across the world uh, it was found in canada in 2018 and it has in just the last 30 days been found in the united states um, from Canada, from you think? From Canada, mm-hmm. yes. And um, there is a real possibility that some made it into the Memphis area. Um, they were sent to a distribution center here who in turn sent it out to those. And it's not the fault of them. It's, you know, the uh, the grower uh, may have from had From Canada. It. Yeah, may have had it. And so particularly if, if you saw boxwood or purchased any boxwood from the Kroger stores, uh, th- you want to take a look at Kroger it. sells a box. Yeah, they oh, did. They brought police. and they've done this in, in the past, mm-hmm. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, no. they're they're nice looking boxwood. I saw some at but mine, to... but there is the potential, and 
well, some of the ones that came from this grower in Canada have been found to be infected. Uh, so what? It, so what are they infected with? Uh, the box, this boxwood tree moth, and what it, it's it's a really pretty moth. It's um, it has two color phases. Yeah. One is solid white with a brown edge around it. Uh, one is solid brown, but they both have white dots in the center of their leaves. So they're rather unusual center looking. Center of their what? Of their leaves? Yeah. Of their wings. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they didn't ever know with you. Yeah. It could be true. So, but they're they they're a real problem and a serious problem. They're so they lay eggs on the boxwoods, and yes. the eggs turn into larvae, which feed. Now the young larvae, they say, will feed on the surface and just kind of strip the surface of the leaf. Uh, and which those is leaves, bad enough. Yeah. Those will die, but older larvae will eat the entire leaf. Um, and they'll they'll be down inside the plant. Okay, then you're not as likely to see them right at the top. Um, but they'll make these, you'll have a mass of these caterpillars, and they're really pretty. They are, I was going to say. Any idea, not, guys, yeah. if they, if they're, are all boxwoods susceptible, you think? All boxwoods are, yes. Um, and But anyway, there is a chance that there are some in West Tennessee. So the uh, Department of Agriculture has set up traps to try to find them, and so far they have not found any, which oh, good. is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but we want to... Let people know if you see this, you know, and gardeners are pretty, pretty sharp. They'll mm-hmm. see a, a new moth and go, right. that's pretty. That's what I yeah. was going to say. Yeah. If, I, if I saw that moth, yeah. I would think it was beautiful and wouldn't want to do anything exactly. to it. So, but I have posted pictures and the letter from the Department of Agriculture on the Facebook group. Okay, uh, go to Mid-South Gardening if you're not a member, join. Um, and... Take a look at it, and if you inspect your boxwood, and if you see anything like this, uh, contact your county agent. You can send me an email, and I will make sure it gets to the right place. Um, My email address is one word, plantdoctor at msn.com, and uh, we will get somebody to take a look at them and uh, and verify it, and, and we'll try to wipe those out before they get to set into the Memphis area. But the good thing is, Jim, you're saying the uh, the people have already, the people, people have already put hmm. out traps uh, yes. for these moths, yes. and so and far the, they haven't collected any. That's correct, and they're going to increase the number of traps yeah. also to, <clears throat> to try to find them. Uh, and so some of the nurseries you'll, will have traps set up because they'll have large numbers of boxwoods. Do you know if it's just boxwood? Box <laughs> I mean, do you know if it's just boxwood that they typically... That's it. That's it. They, they, love, they love boxwood. You know, which is bad because they smell so bad. You know, I can't. It's hard for me to walk into a greenhouse mm-hmm. that's got boxwood. Oh, I agree. In it. It's a musty smell. Really? I agree. It's the reason deer don't like them. Yeah, uh, you know. they do have a bizarre smell. And, and that's called the box boxwood tree moth is what it's called. Boxwood tree moth. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and it's not the moth itself. It's the moth that's laying the eggs. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's the larva that's eating. That's the box what does itself. the damage. But you know, of course, you got to get rid of the exactly. Yeah. So anyway, please take a look at them if you see one or suspect you have them um please notify your county agent or me or the station here and they'll get in touch with me and we'll uh, we'll have somebody take a look at them and then we'll try to annihilate them if you really do have them yeah oh lord because you know most things when they get a foothold guys a lot of times it's hard to get rid That's of right again. you know we didn't realize we had crepe myrtle bark scale until a year or yeah. so after it had gotten out point. of hand yeah yeah Okay, well, I guess we'll head off to another break, and then we've got Kim. We'll get to Kim after this. You've been listening to Veda and Jim and Kenneth on the Mighty 990 and 107.9. 
Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Um, oh, you know, we were talking about the uh, boxwood tree moss. Mm-hmm. Which, so uh, which could been, be a potential problem. problem right. Yeah, And I, I had been looking that up as well, trying to find out, you know, more preventative maintenance or whatever. And um, Penn State, they have an organic method. It's called pick it off. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Kenneth and I were talking off the air. There is a, a in, in the Far East, there's a parasitic wasp that mm-hmm. feeds on these. So it's kept them in check. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Except that particular <laughs> moth has a, oh, that prefer honeybees. So the parasitic wasp uh-huh. Uh-huh. that feeds on the larva. On the car- caterpillar. Yeah. On the caterpillar. You're saying they have a appetite for honeybees yes. also. Right. So we Probably not, not a good thing, thing to bring thing. here. But Mother yeah. Nature's like, ha, huh, figure this one out. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Hey, Kim, let's go to Kim. Good morning, Kim. You're in the garden. Good morning, Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. And good morning to you, Miss Kim. And let I'm me glad. say this before you say a word. I appreciate seeing the pictures that you send uh, of your garden, and it seems like every year, you know, whether it's your vegetables or whether it's your passion flowers or whatever, Miss Kim, I still don't know how you do it. They all look perfect, I'm telling you. Thank you. Well, this year so far, I haven't taken my own pictures yet, but we're hoping to start. I'm glad you mentioned the passion flower. They had not come up, you know, because of the cold. Right. Every day I would stick my head down into the pots because all the plants I do container. I said, please come up above the soil and see Mr. Sunshine yep. so you can grow because golf fritillaries will be coming here looking for food from you. So this week, um, Eddie saw that one of my pots had four to pop up, and he has been mm-hmm. keeping his eyes open all around town, and he's helped find some incarnata, so I'm really happy about that. Yeah, well, good. Now, now also, this past Wednesday was Mr. Paul's birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Well, you know, he just called a while ago. He I did know. not say a word about that. Uh, yeah, so I, I called and left a message on his phone. So, uh, Mr. Paul, if you're still listening, please check your phone, <laughs> and we say happy birthday. Absolutely, from all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you for the call, Miss Kim. It was wonderful hearing from you and announcing that Mr. Paul's birthday was this week. Uh, That's so sweet. Thanks for calling in. And like Mr. Paul said, you know, the older we get, you know, our memory always gets a little shorter, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and like Jim was saying, Jim has a hard time remembering what he did, what, <laughs> yes, this morning? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what happens to all of us, right? Right. Oh, you know, Monrovia has a, a rose out called Grace and Grit. And what is Monrovia, Miss Veda? Monrovia is a company that grows some of our most quality shrubs, and they also have a quality potting soil and compost and all that's for sale. Y'all, y'all have seen Monrovia mm-hmm. around. Just check it out because they're a really good company. But and this one's called Grace and Grit, and the red, the rose is really red. Yeah, they remind me of the drift roses. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a dwarf shrub rose. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, it's foliage is <clears throat> bigger than the drift roses, which I like. Oh, I mean, yeah. I love them. And, yeah, we've got some also, mm-hmm. Veda, but I've seen them in landscapes, and I've also seen them in containers. Yeah. But I like the idea, you know, when people think of a shrub rose, usually they think of this big knockout rose, mm-hmm. you know, because the knockouts have been out there for so long. 
There's so many other shrub roses out there other than knockout. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to get a shrub rose that gets six foot tall and five foot wide. No, no. You know? Yeah, but they call it grace and grit because its bloom is just elegant and smaller. And then the grit because it's more disease resistant, insect resistant. And actually, when we'd got them in at first, they kind of. They looked small, and I'm thinking, really? I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. see any grit in this. But it was, was early on, and um, throughout the time of abusiveness of being in the garden center, they're flourishing <laughs> and looking great. Yeah. So maybe abusiveness, abusiveness in the garden center. Did I just tell a secret? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Grace and grit. Uh, and then, like I said, in tripped roses and knockout roses. I mean, um, you know, there's so many out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the beauty of the shrub roses is they are typically hardy plants, tough as everything. Mm-hmm. They typically are more disease-resistant than, say, an average hybrid tea or grandiflora or florabunda. So, you know, they don't get black spot as readily as the other yeah. roses do. And like I said, a lot of them do well in containers. Right. Uh, and they bloom. When they start blooming in the spring, they bloom until frost, they I'm do. telling you. And this grace and grit is so red. I still, that's all I can say. When I go into the garden center, I see red which is fantastic. And I have a, a petite um, knockout rose. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. seen those yeah. yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what color it is, but have you seen anybody plant them, had any results with them? I have. I mean, they're brand new, uh, yeah. hadn't, and I heard, heard, heard any feedback, but it's, it, I'm sure they're going to mm-hmm. be just they fine. Look, yeah, they're, they're hanging on just like everything else of those roses. Well, so. Bob texted in, guys, and said how and when to plant juniper shrubs. And that's an easy mm-hmm. one. Now, anytime, <laughs> junipers are intense. They love the heat. But, you know, I mean, for your, your sanity, maybe not in July because you'll just have to stay home and be watering more. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, spring and fall are the optimal times to plant any shrub. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to, you know, if you dig your hole the right way and amend the soil, to create good drainage. I mean, you can plant mid-June, mid-July. I long plant all be the around, time. As long as you're going to be around to water. That's right. the key. Right. Uh, and junipers are extremely heat and drought tolerant once they're yeah, established. Once but they're you got to get them established first. So oh. you can do it any time now, Man, Bob. we're about to run. But I have to tell you one thing. Somebody had bought a bunch of azale- um, hydrangeas, showed me pictures of them um, where it was going and how they were planting them. And they had already planted them. And I... I had to tell them, and it was heartbreaking, though, but they had dug a perfect can uh, mm-hmm. cylinder. Post-hole syndrome. Pole, yeah, and then there was there was no compost put back in. Yeah. And so, y'all, really, if your husband's, I mean, if your... Um, <laughs> It'd be the husband. <laughs> oops, it Thank just came much. out. Uh, is, is not adding compost and digging the hole bigger than it is because they don't want to, and they didn't want to plant shrub for you in the first place. Then just tell them they're going to have to plant it what again do we always if say, they Beta, don't dig that Dig just as deep as the root ball, twice as wide, mm-hmm. and really amend that soil. If you do those simple things, yeah. you'll be successful. But nurserymen really love your husband. <laughs> yes, 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 because we'll have more hydrangeas. We get to sell you a couple of times. <laughs> That's right. great. Well, I love y'all guys. It was so wonderful to be with you, and I love our audience out there. Thank y'all for coming in and saying hi to us in the garden centers and giving us calls, and we will see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden.